Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersena from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. July 29th, and yikes! It's going by so fast. I was just mentioning to Ruby, yes, my granddaughter, that the summer is almost halfway through. And yikes is what she said because I think she's enjoying the summer off. And I think, too, in the gardening world, there is another wee uh, junior that has joined the colony of rabbits in my backyard. And lo and behold, some of my lettuce has has been totally taken away over the night, and I'm thinking, oh, somebody has got and found a good spot for eating, even some of the large ones. I think I've mentioned to you before that I usually like to leave some one or two of them and let them grow almost like solar power towers of lettuce up on the stalks just so I can collect some of the seeds. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to have seeds this year because that colony seems to be getting bigger. And as this little wee rabbit enjoys the summer too, yep, visions of a little bunny stretched out on my new lawn or the visions of them sneaking into my garden and eating my lettuce and everything else, it isn't truly a well-enjoyed July day. Take a listen. In idle mood this happy day, I let the moments drift away. I lie among the tangled grass and watch the crinkling billows pass. Over seas of clover, like a tide that sets across the meadow wide, the crimson-crested ripples run from isles of shade to shores of sun, and one white lily seems to be a sail upon this summer of sea, blown northward bringing to me today a fragrant freight from far Cathay. Low is the wind that waves the rose in gardens where those poppies grow. And sweet as bells heard far away, a robin sings his song today. Sings softly by his hidden nest, a little round delay of rest. And as the winds his dwelling swings, he dreams his dream on unfledged wings. While bending with his song, I hear a brook's low babble. Somewhere near, a glory wraps the hills and seems to weave an atmosphere of dreams about the mountain's kingly crest as sinks the sun adown the west. Earth seems to sit with folded hands in peace. He only understands. Who has no care, no vain, no regret, no sorrow, he would fain forget. And like upon a child her breast, I lie this happy day in rest. The green things growing whisper me of many an old earth mystery, of blossoms hiding in the mold and what the acorn cups enfold, of life unseen by eyes too dim to look through nature up to him who writes the poem of the year for human heart and eye and ear. Oh, summer day! Surpassing fair with hints of heaven in earth and air. Not long I keep you in my hold. This book is closed. 
The tale is told. The valley fills with amber mist. The sky is gold and amethyst. Soft, soft, and low, and silver clear. The robin's vesture, him I hear. And see the stars lit one by one. This happy summer day is now done. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Lawn and Garden Show. And it is a sunny, beautiful, not too hot morning. So it's a great day to be listening to the show and then go out into the gardens. Give me a call. I'd like to hear from you. Um, right now, oh, Kurt is on the line. We're going to go right to lines. Good morning, Kurt. Good morning. Uh, I have a hibiscus plant that uh, has got a lot of aphids on it. How do I get rid of them? Uh, is it hibiscus in the house or outside? Well, we did have it out uh, outside. It's a potted plant, so we had it outside, and now we've brought it back inside uh, because it didn't seem to be doing so well outside. Yeah. Um, you know what? Hibiscus trees are beautiful for indoors and outdoors. And, and just so other people know, sometimes we like putting some of our plants out during the summer because... If you go down to Florida and that, these guys actually grow in their yards right. consistently. And apparently somewhere in Hawaii, there's a huge roadway that a girlfriend told me that uh, is completely a road with hibiscus for miles and miles. So you can just imagine the beautiful color. But now to get to your question, A, I would pro is it in the house and covered with aphids right now? Yes. Okay, get, I would take it back outside. It's a nice day. It's not too hot out. Take it outside and get out the hose and give it a good blast to blast off as much of the mature adult aphids as you can. Okay, how and about you? Can we use Raid? Um, you got to be careful um, because sometimes if you do use it, I know some people have used it before, but if you use it and it's a sunny and it's a hot day, you could cause some... Um, burning on some of the leaves you could try like you know um, I'm always a little bit cautious on using an aerosol spray on tropical plants okay but uh, my main one would be water is the first resource blast off all as much as you can and if you find that you wash it once and then give it a couple hours and then blast it again because some of them will come out of their hiding a little bit because they like to be under the leaves okay. and tucked in then you have to break the cycle of the egg. And then, again, because it's a cycle from adult to egg to larvae, and then it's a vicious cycle. So you can use uh, some products like Endol or um, Trounce or, you know, some things like that to coat it. And these have some fatty acids that are in there that are going to be able to help to coat some of those. So it'll slow that production or that cycle down. Okay. Okay, be diligent, though, with it, because what you do want to do is break that cycle. But I would be careful because aphids, intrinsically, if they have a high population in one area, they, they're kind of smart. They grow wings and fly to a different location. So you do not want this to transfer to other houseplants that you have in there. Okay. Okay, and just because you brought them indoors and you don't know if you've had that occur... I would probably, there's little sticky strips, like yellow, tacky little strips that you can put. And I would probably um, see if you can get it at one of your garden centers and put it in some of the other plants that are close by because they will gravitate to that yellow. And you can maybe see if they have a population starting in another area. Okay. 
Okay. <clears throat> I have one more question in regard sure. to, uh, I have a couple of rose bushes that uh, uh, the lower leaves uh, have little holes in there, and I have seen a little worm. Uh, what can I do to get rid of those guys? Okay. Same thing. I always like using water first because it's earth-friendly. So if you can blast the guy off. I know with a worm, he might come back. But uh, for worms and that kind of stuff, if you use your endol or your trounce, if you're using it on the hibiscus, you can use it on there. But otherwise, what you can do is if you want to target more of the worm aspect, there is a product called BTK. It is targeted for worms like your tent caterpillars, your uh, worm family. Could you repeat that uh, product? It's called B, like Bob, Tom, and Carrie. B-T-K. It's got a big Latin name, like Bacillus thuringius, and I always muck up the last one. Okay. <laughs> okay? But if, you, if you're, they come in small little bottles, and you actually dilute it, and then you can do a spray application. Okay. Okay, but remember, the undersides of leaves. Yeah. Because... We're, like, isn't it amazing? Like, we're amazed by plants, but I'm also amazed by tiny little insects that you think that maybe they're, if I, I don't want to say brainless, but they're smart. Yeah. They want to go on the undersides of the leaves because they know that if a bird flies over, that's, that's, that's now saying, come and get me. So they hide on the undersides of the leaves, and also, too, if they get heavy rain, that's their umbrella, so they don't get washed away. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay, thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for calling in. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to ask you, where are you calling from? Landmark. Landmark. Well, I know where you are. Good morning, Landmark. Okay. Okay. All right. Bye. Enjoy your weekend. It is a beautiful sunny morning. The gardens are looking absolutely stunning. The line is open, 1-800-374-3315, if you want to give me a shout. But we're going to go right back to lines. Karen is on the line. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Carla. Lovely Good morning. morning here. And I have discovered some blossom stem rot on my lovely tomatoes. Uh, I have investigated some some things to do, but they all seem to contradict each other. So I thought, I'll go to the expert. How do I deal with this? Well, blossom end rot, I feel like when um, water, I talked about water before with blasting off insects, and it is one of the key elements with proper growth and development. And I find that the most of the times that we get blossom in rot and I don't want to point a finger or waggle my finger but sometimes um, it's irregular water patterning will sometimes set that but there's other factors too that play in there which is uh, low calcium could be in it or there could be backsplash from bacterial that's on the soil that gets backsplashed onto the leaves so do you have a leaf mulch or something that you can put or um a grass mulch or a garden straw mulch that you can put around your tomatoes at the base so when you're watering okay. it stays direct to the soil. Um, okay. A, yeah. So are those some of the things or recommendations that you have been um, sort of finding on your investigation? <laughs> uh, yes. I, I keep hearing what the causes are. I don't know what I can do now that I've, I've discovered some. Is there anything I can do to prevent other than, you know, do the mulch under the, um, uh, under the plants. Um, well, yep. Um, that's try about your reg- all I can do. Yeah. Well, I think 
try your watering regime because I know it's really, really disheartening when you have a full crop. So we're still a little bit early that's in there. I'm Maybe I'm just speaking for myself because, you know, the shoemaker's son gets his garden light last year. But I, too, had one-on-one plant, and I planted okay. it, and I didn't get any mulch underneath it at all. And then I went, okay, it's starting. So I corrected my measures, and I started my watering regime a little different, and a little bit of that garden stress. I think even right now, it's a... Um, it's chafings of a good straw that's been cleaned out. It's not like the straw that you get in the fall that they harvest, which has a totally different use in the garden aspect. This clean garden straw, you put it in, and that's like, like a bedding. And I think with increased temperatures that are happening, water is going to be more and more prevalent or more and more uh, valuable. So using it So how, to, how often... Do you, you water? Do you suggest water? We are we have uh, are in a very very dry spell here. Um, yeah. I I have moved from the farm into the city, so my my plants are at a friend's garden, and she has been watering. Yeah. Um, but how much is too much, and how often, and um, what what's your suggestion there? Well, it, that depends on how dry it is too, because yeah. I have one garden that I put some tomatoes really close. To my house and it's high reflective right against this uh, mm-hmm. stucco so right. i and the plants will tell you too those are indicators too that when you're looking at your plants they are giving you signals and signs of when they are getting to the point yes. of collapse because they wilt oh yeah right oh yeah and yes I'm, some, I'm aware of that yeah and if the ground is wet and they're wilting that could be over watering so right okay generally if it's really really warm and you've watered a nice slow steady deep drink that should sustain mm-hmm. for at least a couple a couple days that's on it but that also depends and there are so many factors that play into this because um you know the brandon area uh i'm amazed at my brother's location out there you can pour a bucket of water in his garden and it's gone because it's okay. so sandy whereas yes we are very clay based here but right. you yeah. you also have to remember if we're clay based and it gets so dry, if I pour that same amount of yeah. bucket of it's water gonna on it, it's, it's going to run. Yeah, it's going to be like yeah. it's a yeah. desert. We're going to go as far as we go, right. not deep. Right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. I would, um, and if it's a big garden with a lot of tomatoes, uh, if you have clean uh, grass, I remember mom and dad, morning, mom. Yes. Um, getting clean, uh, clean grass clippings, like dry, right? Not wet, because yes. they get stinky. But dry, okay. Grass clippings right. underneath there, and that will help too. Okay. 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 Very good. So, all right. Thank I, you so much. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. All Thanks right. for calling in. Okay. Already. Bye bye. Bye bye. This is interesting because even um, water is key, and I know that we've been. Uh, I think we've all been listening to uh, the news that has said this has been the hottest July. Um, that we've had, and we started, and remember, we started off in May with it, like, we started off in May with July temperatures. It was outstandingly hot in there. Like, it was like, boom, we went from winter to summer. So a lot of plants, even the trees and shrubs, that was one of the things I did want to mention, um, they need that moisture in the ground, that's on there. And we've had a little bit of rain, depending on where you are. Some of us have had a lot more rain than others. 
and I hear that some of us had a lot more hail. Wow, this week I saw some pictures of fist-sized hail that was happening. So you have to regulate and look at your gardens to see the watering needs of it. If it's really, really wilted, yep, get out there and get it going. But it's amazing there is a point of wilt to recovery to wilt then, uh uh-uh, not coming back. And that usually happens with our flowering plants. Uh, I have to uh, admit that uh, when I was away a little bit, yep, hubby was doing a little bit of watering on my big lettuce garden bucket that I had there with some peas and everything. And lo and behold, a few days before I came back, I kind of said, hey, hon, did you water the buckets? And he was like, oh, you're, oh, okay. He's not the gardener. I am. Lo and behold, it was a little flat when I came home and a nice steady drink bounced right back up. But water is key. So keep it going, keep it growing, keep it hydrated. And this may be part of a conversation that I had with uh, someone who had just recently uh, planted some trees and shrubs. Remember too, if you recently planted a tree or shrub, the root balls of that plant have not grown into the surrounding existing soil. So it has new resources to grab that extra moisture that's further away than what the original root ball is with that surrounding new soil. So we generally say if it's a 20 degree weather day, nice breezy, there's respiration and evaporation through moisture through those leaves. So we like a nice steady, slow drink, deep drink around that root ball probably twice a week. If you are venturing into plants that are, were hitting the high 30s with high humidity and very, very warm, you may find yourself giving it that third steady deep drink. Now take a look though. If it's wilting and it's wet, don't re-wet it. And a little conversation too is sometimes if we uh, are venturing into some trees and shrubs, do we have plants uh, that like moisture? Will repeated water be a benefit to that or not? One of the examples is uh, a Japanese tree, lilac. They They like their water, but they do not like to have their toes or their roots in water consistently. They don't like to be repeatedly wet. And in some occasions, uh, for some landscaping, Uh, do not put them in the swales between two houses. Do not put them in low-lying areas because it will be a detriment to that plant. We want to have success with it. We want to be able to say, yes, I did it. It's growing. It's healthy. It's lovely. It's gorgeous. It's going to give me a little windbreak and it's going to give me a little bit of a shade. That's what gardening is all about, is the beauty of creating something really pretty. All right, the lines are open, 1-800-374-3315. I'd like to hear how your garden's growing. How is it? I know that I was out uh, visiting my mom the other day and uh, it made me step and pause because she said to me, come and see how my grass seed is going. My grass, it looks so pretty. And I kind of said a pause and I was on my hurry and I said, it takes a lot of excitement for me to look at turf. And I thought, okay, I'm going to come back. I'm going to see your grass But the excitement of what you grow, take a stop, take a pause, whether it's your grass, whether it's your garden, or me, 
I'm looking at that one ripening red tomato that I kind of have a little smile every day going, hmm, you're not ready yet. I'm going to leave you there for just a little bit longer. You're listening to the Lawn and Garden uh, Journal here, and it's a beautiful sunny morning. It's not too hot, which is really good for some plants when you're coming through. It's really good for that early morning watering after the Lawn and Garden show. Because on cooler days where it doesn't go to exceedingly high temperatures right away, the plants have a lot better chance of taking up that moisture at a slower rate when they need it, filling those cells that they need to put the moisture back in. Whereas on those exceedingly hot days, they're trying to take up that moisture. But just imagine that moisture that's being wicked up is probably being used at the same rate that it's going in. So today they're enjoying that. They'll enjoy a nice uh, drink if you can get out there and give it to them, like I said, after the show. And for sure, I will be giving my tomato plants a nice little water uh, afterwards and letting them soak it up so I can plump up this tomato that I've been envisioning. And we have to mention the tomatoes because there is a history about tomato talk on this show. And the one variety, and I have to mention it because I think I've mentioned it a while back when I was planting it, it was a new variety for us and it was called Mountain Man. Uh, maybe it's, uh, my husband's a, a, a six, he's six, three, six, two, and yes, he's my Mountain Man. And I thought, wow, what a Mountain Man tomato. So it is a large beefsteak type and it is big and it's performing really really good and it's you know you never know how certain tomatoes go or grow and you like to test it out so the the little bit of um, inquiry or the question on how this plant's going to grow out is actually coming to fruition and I put it in the garden and I thought okay it's a determinate type and sometimes even some of the determinate which are the ones that if you don't know what determinate is they stay kind of more compact and shaped but don't forget even though they're compact and shaped they still benefit from having a little bit of a um, staking for that support of some of the branches and when you support some of the branches then you're supporting the fruit that's on it for its growth but mountain man is uh, really good it's probably like a little bit larger than a small softball that's going yeah it's got some good shape that's on it and it's got a high yield so right now even with having some of my plants planted a little bit later than everyone else it's doing really good and I am just savoring myself to have this one because it's going to be a one sliced tomato on a good piece of rye bread that's on it and I think within it um, I think if I remember right it's supposed to have a little bit of a sweetness in the acidity so if you're too inquisitive about it and you want to try it next year, look for Mountain Man. Hey, what tomatoes did you guys plant this year? It gets you thinking about what crops you put in and what are you going to do with them. There's a lot of paste tomatoes. I know that uh, everyone this year was looking for Juliet tomatoes. We finally, uh, near the end there, like we were just scounging through our tomato packs to see which ones we had. So Juliet was one that was looked after a lot we've grown we've grown it for a number of years and I think more and more people are starting to look for it for sure 
And even some of the ones that you're looking for is, the, I think there's more venturing into tomatoes that are used for pasting or for salsa that have a little bit more of a uh, sort of a fleshier type of tomato feeling texture that's on there. So Juliet, again, it's a early one that's on there and it's a perfect, it's like thick skin, it's good for salads, bite size and very, very sweet. Okay, I will give you the report on Mountain Man though when I get to harvest. I'm letting it ripen up and getting going through. Anyway, now as we go from, and I have to mention it, I kind of chuckle. I had Mountain Man to talk to you about, but at the back of my mind, I have to give a little bit of a giggle. Uh, yeah, maybe, a, uh, I don't know if it's an evil giggle <laughs> or what, but uh, our peppers, the peppers were starting to go. And I must admit that we had a few excess pepper plants here at the garden center. So the staff were watering them, growing them. And finally, the fall crop, I don't want to say that F word, but the fall crop came in. And we we sometimes have to let things go for the next season, for the next crop. So sustainably, we couldn't keep the peppers going in small pots. So we harvested some and we gave some of the bounties to some of our staff and for testing and but what we did not do, and I kind of get a little chuckle, chuckle, we did not mark the ones that we put and we pulled out. It went into a bounty of colorful peppers. I actually took a picture and it was so beautiful, the color palette of the peppers. But where I'm going with this is the other night I decided to uh, take a few home, test them out, and lo and behold, hubby loves peppers, slicing some of them up. And <laughs> here's a little bit. Know thy pepper, know thy pepper's heat, Scoville count. Because, yes, we sliced it up. Someone walks by, pops a pepper in his mouth, and oh my goodness, it was hot. I didn't think some of them would be that hot. So we chopped up another one, unknowing which one it was. Looked good, looked fleshy, and lo and behold, ouch, it was even hotter. So, know thy pepper and be cautious because some of those Scoville uh, heat marks on some of your peppers are going to be hot. Which reminds me too, um, with peppers you want to have your regulation of watering regime on them. Because the inquiry further on is, why do my peppers not get as thick walled as some of the other ones that we do when you go to uh, the grocery store or to the farmer's market. It's the water regime, it's the plumpness of the water content that goes into the cell of the fruit production that makes that a thicker wall. (laughs) Maybe if we had a thicker wall in some of the ones that we plucked, maybe they would have been less heated? Maybe not. We'll see. But there's still some to go. And the adventure. Have you found that when people venture into pepper growing plants, that they love that intensity of heat? If you love heat, you love heat. If you don't, you're going to stay towards the sweet varieties, California Wonder, Green Wonder. You're going to go into the more of the bell-shaped peppers that are in there. But if you like that true heat, scorpion, uh, ghost We had grown some ghost peppers and they take forever to grow. They take forever to uh, um, grow up because they start off really small. But 
or there's even some Trinidadian ones that are in there that give you that intense, deep colors, but they also give you that intense, deep, deep heat. So, do you like peppers? Do you like them hot? Do you like them sweet? Or do you like them in certain areas where you get the little ones? Uh, what do you? Uh, I, all right, it's gone. The little squash type ones where you can stuff them with cheeses and different types of stuff. I'm thinking right now sweet bell peppers stuffed with a beautiful tomato and base and doing baked peppers. Hey, how can you tell? I'm getting a little hungry. Anyway. The lines are open, 1-800-374-3315 if you want to give me a shout. You're listening intently to what I have to say this morning. There's so much to talk about in the gardening world. I told you that in uh, the gardening world as a garden center operation, we are already thinking the next season. And uh, my sister is in town. Good morning, Carrie and Ken. That... When we started saying that we're starting in the next production season, we're getting into the next season of color, but you have to admit our gardens are intensely beautiful. You can see the transition. You can see the change. Can you see it? All right. We're going to go right to lines. Adrian is on the line. Hello, Adrian. Yes. Good morning. Hi. How are you? Oh, it's Adrian. Is it Adrian, Adrian or Adrian? Either. Either? Oh, good morning. Where are you calling from? Deloraine. Deloraine. Well, I know where you are, too. Good morning, Deloraine. <laughs> yes. I have a question about my eggplant. Uh, sure. My eggplant's producing well, except now I'm getting leaves that are turning brown about halfway up the plant, not only at the base of the plant, but halfway up. Uh, they're like the outside edges of the of the leaves they're all brown and um i don't know why okay generally brown spots or uh, brown and black dotting usually gives me the first cause to say that there could be a little bit of of uh, sometimes you'll get um verticel like a, a wilt like that's happening that's on it so it's brown spots are they brown uh, yellow borders around the Oh, they're they're brown blotches, like they're not just spots. Okay, so they're brown blotches, but do they have a yellow border around them? Yellow or the, on the or inside? On the on the outside? On the outside is just dark brown. Dark brown. Okay, so normally it's either wilts or blights, and there's an early blight. There's also a phytoflora. If I can get my lips wrapped around this one, it's like phytoflora light with brown spots with your regular shaped leaves and they almost look like wilted or are they looking crisp they're crisp they're crisp okay so you could have somewhat of a little bit of a a they could have dried out and maybe they could be wind whipped or heat desiccation that's on there because some i'm finding that this year with the excessive heat and with the winds that we're having that combination has been drying out some leaves when they get to the point where they don't have enough moisture in them. But the other thing, it could be um, an early sign of egg, egg, like a blight that you're having on your leaves. Okay, I <clears throat> I have um, straw under under them. Yep. Uh, it's not wind because we haven't had wind. Okay. Uh, could be heat. I mean, it's been thirty some degrees. Yeah. Uh, how can you overwater eggplant? Yes, you can. 
Yes. Okay. Most uh, plants, most plants like water, but they don't like to be repeatedly wet. And if you do have uh, a mulch over top of it, that gives you a little bit of a delay of a repeat watering that you have to do because the mulch is protecting it. It's the mulch yeah. is actually holding that moisture closer to the ground. So most blights and mildews and that do occur if we have too much moisture. Okay. No, okay. I haven't. I haven't been over water. Like I haven't twice a week. Yeah. I water them. You know. Yeah. I yeah. give them a good watering. Yeah. We have heavy I've, soil, so. Yeah. Yeah. I would remove some of those leaves if you can remove some of the leaves because it's not all the, like, if it's the brown leaves at the lower portion of it, I would remove those to try and see if, if it's a mildew or if it's a blight that you can kind of get that going and getting it moved over. Well, um, I've already, I've already removed all the lower ones and yeah. now uh, halfway up, I guess I, I guess I'll remove those also. I would use that and are your, are the eggplants um, maturing right now, or are they still got a ways to go? Oh, no, I have eggplant that are probably five inches long on them. Oh, wow, okay, good. And there's three on a plant, and there's still blossoms. There's still so, blossoms, okay, yeah. okay. Because you could probably there's, use, yeah. you could probably use a little bit of a, a copper spray, you know, that's okay. if you're wanting to use it on the early aspect of it, but use it early before you're doing your harvesting. Okay. Oh, okay, okay, because I was thinking I might pick these larger ones yes pick the larger ones and and then i'll spray yep perfect perfect timing okay and you okay. were ta- asking about varieties of tomatoes that people grow yeah, yeah. i have numerous kind i have uh, a vancouver variety which is for paste for salsa i found a friend delivered it to me one day a plant and he said I'm looking for a home for this plant, and I've been co- collecting seed from it every year. Do you know the name of it? Vancouver. It's called Vancouver Tomato. Vancouver. Oh, wow. I've never and, heard of that one. And, I've, and I haven't really ever found it in a seed book yet. Well, like, you know what? I have uh, – It's some, some people will actually create and generate. I, uh, one of the gentlemen that used to work here um, – Good old Dean used to be on the landscape cruise with us here, and his dad, in my early years, his dad's name was Cliff, and uh, in the older building, I always like telling stories to our staff of how we've changed and how we've evolved. Well, when I used to do the seating way in the back in the days, I used to have a a little back shed that I would sort of hide in and do all my seating, and uh, his dad loved it, and he was this older gent, I think. Back in the day when I was in my 30s, I think he was already in his 80s, but uh, he used to park himself in there and always tell me about how he used to grow tomatoes. And he actually crossed uh, two tomatoes, and he named it Cliff's Tomato. So there's some people that have some names that go in it. So I'm going to look up this Vancouver Tomato to see if it is, or if some, you know, maybe someone just started calling it Vancouver Tomato. Yeah, uh, I don't know, but I collect the seed every year, and it they are as huge almost as a beefsteak. Oh, and but it's a they're beast? very, very different shape, but they're very meaty. Oh, I'm wondering it's, if it's more of an heirloom type. Uh, I don't know. It, like it, it doesn't have any disease. Yeah. Not, so I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, it's fantastic. And then I grow bobcat. I grow uh, celebrity. I grow sweet millions. I. <laughs> I have another one called Delicious that I enjoy. Um, 
yeah, uh, New Girl. Um, oh, yeah. Those are my early ones. Um, oh. And there's also Early Girl. Early Girl's a good one, too. But Celebrity, that's another, that's an older variety that's done very, very well, too, as well. Oh, and Better Boy. Better Boy is another, my one for large, late. Oh, what do you do with all these tomatoes? I can just see this, this, you must do canning. I can. I make salsa. I make tomato sauce. I give lots away. And um, I start them, I start them all from seed. And I have a sunroom, and I, I have people. I, I grow like a dozen for a friend who of this Vancouver variety. She said, "Would you grow a dozen for me?" She said, and so I grow a dozen. I start them the end of March, and yep. Oh, that's so good. Well, you're sharing the love of those tomatoes because they are delicious. They're healthy, and they're good for you. So you know what? Just keep on sharing that love. Have a great weekend, everyone. It's going to be a beautiful one. We'll be back again on the Lawn Garden Journal next week. Bye-bye, everyone.